I find, oh I find it weird to watch wrestling God, by myself. Dude. Especially if I'm like watching women's wrestling by myself, because if somebody walks in, there's no good way to explain what you're doing. Just you know, tell it's them very it's very weird. Just tell them you're doing some prep work before you go do the real thing in the other room. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna be like, what, jerking off? You're prepping to jerk off? Like what? No, you're prepping to do cool moves into your mattress. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back to the Trilateral Troika. This is Steve along with the other Steve. Just, just, just keep going. <laughs> and Ryan. <laughs> oh, fuck. That splattered up. <laughs> yeah. I'm not even going to open up a That's What She Said joke, but yeah. that uh, <laughs> Little Bukake soda. Mountain Dew Bukake. Uh, yes, exactly. Did you see that? Time the tower? to get sticky. Did you see the tower of Mountain Dew hard sodas I've been drinking all afternoon? Oh my god! You know, Steve had some at uh, at his place, and I was over there, and uh, he let me have a few. It was pretty good. They're pretty good, but it fucked me up, dude. I don't know I, what's in it. It got to me like I, quick. I, I liked them. I, I think they're delicious. I like I like them a lot. They were very good. But they they fucked me up. Like I had one, and I was like, "Ooh!" Oh, they fucked you up. Like you got like you got uh, drunk, toasty, real quick. Oh yeah, like very fast. I mean, I don't drink a lot, but like still, it was like holy shit. This mm. is five percent. What did they put in here? <laughs> it's like five percent for like Mountain Dew drinkers, which is like six percent for everybody else, seven percent for everybody else. <laughs> Because they know that your body's already fucked from the inside because you drank Mountain Dew, and you're daring enough to grab Mountain Dew hard soda. It's Not only do you drink machine. regular Mountain Dew, you just you just you know face God and give Him the finger as you walk backwards <laughs> into hell drinking hard Mountain Dew. <laughs> oh my God! Fucking esophageal lining just falling out. Bro, I could feel my shit burning every time I take a sip. <laughs> <laughs> the plasticizers are what does it for me. My my, my esophageal varices is gonna rupture drinking this shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, you have Barrett's esophagus, and at your age, that's impossible. But oh, wait, you drink Martin Dew, Mountain Dew hard soda? Ah, if you drink God. Martin Dew, that's like the Chinese version of Mountain Dew. Martin like the, Dew. That's, that's a Kmart version. <laughs> it was the, uh, it was a, a tie-in for the show Martin. Martin, come on, Gina. <laughs> Why did you make Martin Lawrence sound so mad? Because he was always mad at Gina. That's true. He was always pissed off at Gina. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Did you get one of the rare Shanae cans? <laughs> oh my hi, god! Hi, listen. I remember the first time I saw that. I was like, "This what, is like Shanae? the peak of comedy." Because he was just playing every part. I was like, yeah. "This is amazing." <laughs> <laughs> What's crazy is he played every part, but Martin. That was actually another guy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but this hard Mountain Dew boy, I'm sorry, this hard Martin Dew is pretty good. Martin Dew. <laughs> Speaking of things that are It's like hard. something you pick up at like the agent store, you know? Like you just like, you guys have Mountain Dew? We have Martin Dew. <laughs> I told you it's a blue light special at Kmart. It's like Mountain Dew, but instead of green, it's turquoise. Uh. You just described Baja Blast. <laughs> I did actually. Yeah, it's true. Fuck. That's actually what I just cracked was the Baja Blast flavor. That was the best one. It is, I think, personally. It's phenomenal. Oh god. Speaking of Baja Blast. Yeah. 
So today we're going to be talking about Mountain Dew. Shut up. Actually, no. Oh. The original We're going to be Mountain talking Dew. about Ricky Dozen, the legendary uh, Japanese wrestler. He's generally considered to be the father of professional wrestling in Japan. Um, and also, um, sort of what he became after he died. Oh, he died? He didn't die in the ring, did he? No, he did not. Um, we'll, we'll get to how he died. Uh, like a lot of professional wrestler deaths, though, I would say that it was like a lot of it was on him. <laughs> uh oh. Yeah, I mean, they definitely killed themselves, you know, more or less. Okay. Uh, Ricky Dozen uh, himself was born um, Kim Sin Rock in uh, Kankyo uh, Non uh, Prefecture in what was then Japanese Korea. On November 14th, 1924. Alright, let's stop already. Japanese Korea? Is it... Give me some historical context for this. You heard the man. <laughs> so after... <laughs> after uh, Japan um, essentially um, invades and takes over um, Korea, they uh, Korea becomes a part of uh, Japan uh, from 1910 to 1945. Uh, are we talking the entirety of Korea? Yes, the entirety of the Korean Peninsula was considered Japanese for those years. Okay, it was um, it, it was sort of brought in. It was made a um, like a, a part of um, actual Japan as sort of like an administrative division. Um, it was called uh, Chosen. Okay, all right. Uh, were they brought uh, into the Japanese as an administrative region? Like, uh, uh, damn. Uh, I want to keep saying Chimera, but it's not Chimera. Um, the damn Russian last year, the year before, uh, Crimea. Crimea, that's what it is. Why well, I would say this is more akin to, um, though hundreds of years later, um, essentially like Ireland, where it is a nearby a nearby sort of uh, kingdom slash nation state that has a completely different ethnic group with its own culture, and they essentially move in and they begin um, sort of. Uh, Making them Japanese. So, uh, so the Japanese are the British. Yes, in this analogy. In, 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 in a lot of ways too. Uh, Arigato. Jap- <laughs> Japanese colonialism is based heavily cool. on um, British Money. colonialism. Oh really? Well, that makes sense, um, I guess, right? Because, for instance, like uh, with Taiwan, when they took over Taiwan after the the first Sino-Japanese War. They essentially decide that Chinese culture is too different from Japanese culture to, to make them integrated, so they become their own sort of special subject status. Um, because in the Japanese Empire, there's a racial hierarchy. But Koreans, are, are after study, finds that Korean culture is similar enough to Japanese culture that they're going to forcibly assimilate them. Man, we're going to get in so much trouble oh for saying God. some of these things. Um, so there's a book and, that I read. It's called uh, So Far from the Bamboo Grove. So Far from the Bamboo Grove. And it was like about this girl that was like escaping Korea during either World War II or like the Sino-Japanese War. Like or whatever, not Sino-Japanese, or whatever uh, Japan was taking over Korea. It uh, For a book that's intended for like middle schoolers, it was very graphic i was like wow yeah we read that book too you know Uh, she she generally gets out at um uh, around the korean war like before the start of the korean war okay yeah that was a that was a heavy book to be reading in like sixth grade never read it but this is this is like one of the reasons why there's so much hatred between uh, especially from koreans towards japan 
because of this this whole sort of thirty uh, five year period of uh, like forced assimilation and, and brutality. Um, Korea is largely ruled by military governors. Um, it is not ruled by a civilian governor like Taiwan was. Um, and the military essentially uh, uses the the Korean people as um, just sort of forced labor. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, young Korean men are, are sort of uh, pushed into labor battalions. Uh, young women are often promised uh, jobs elsewhere in the empire, working in factories. But in reality, they end up working in brothels, like which com- is comfort the, women. the comfort women. Yeah. Yes. Um, but he... he um, He's born in this northern uh, province of Japanese Korea. Um, it is uh, it is now the present day uh, um, province of South um, Hamgyong in uh, North Korea. Ah, now was he born to Japanese parents there? No, he's born to a Japanese or he's born to a Korean family. Um, he was the youngest son of of Kim Sok Ti, who was a Korean farmer. Um, who followed a, a, a Confucian uh, religious tradition, um, and he was married to his wife named uh, Chong Gi. Hmm. Um, so when uh, his father falls ill, um, Sin Rock, um, he tends to his father, um, while his mother and older brothers take care of the farm. So he's like his, his dad's personal uh, health aide, we'll call him. Well, well yeah, because he's, because he's the youngest... Um, and, and not as like old and as strong as his uh, brothers or his mother. Um, they're the ones who do the labor on the farm while he tends to his father while they're working. Gotcha. Uh, Kim himself, a- as a youth, he participates in what's called uh, Sisram, uh, which is a, a, a form of traditional uh, Korean wrestling. Um, the type of wrestling that's done is very similar to the sumo wrestling tradition. Oh, man. Um, okay. it, it's sort of like where a circle is formed um, and, and two combatants sort of like go at each other in this like circle. Okay. Um, uh, what happens is is that a um, the, the father-in-law of a, of a Japanese man who had moved to North Korea to become a policeman, um, uh, Momoto, uh, he becomes interested in... Um, in sumo, and then he also supports uh, a stable called the uh, Nishonoseki uh, stable, uh, stable of uh, sumo. What is that? What is it? What is a stable of sumo? Is that like a stable of like little boys that they're training to become sumo well, warriors? Well, yeah, kind in, of, in, yeah. The, in the sumo wrestling tradition, um, a, a stable, which is generally the um, the the English translation that's used for it in Japanese, it's literally uh, uh, heya. Which a heya is like a room. It's also like, a like s- any room is. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> My baby, don't mess around. God damn it! I jumped the gun too fast. I was gonna say it's also a tar- chart topping hit by <laughs> Grammy Award winning artist Outcast. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what is the heya? He was only Andre. He was only Andre one thousand back then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It took quite a quite a bit of grinding to get up to three thousand. But in these um, in these stables. Um, essentially you're brought in as a young uh, prospect um, and, and you sort of like move up through the stable. You train, you live together with all the other sumo wrestlers um, and there are currently today there are 45 uh, Heya as of uh, 2019 um, and they all belong to uh, one of five um, Ichimon which is a grouping of, of Heya. Now my immediate concern obviously if you have like a group of dudes living together 
is like, is this forced? Is there abuse in this? Especially when you well, consider the environment that they're being trained in is, you know, obviously well, violent. Well the, well, the relationship can be abusive because it's based on um, essentially the the stereotypical Japanese uh, kohei and, and senpai relationship, where you have someone who's a junior and someone who's a senior, and the juniors have to do everything for the seniors. Um, and this is something that gets translated into Japanese wrestling today, um, professional wrestling, in that you have what are called young boys, or in uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, they're called young lions. Um, and they're the guys who, like, clean up the ring. Um, they go run errands for the older, more experienced wrestlers. Maybe it's just because of a culture difference, but God, that sounds so, so bad. You know what I mean? Uh Heos can vary in size. The largest uh, will have over 30 wrestlers, whereas the smallest will only have about uh, two. Two? Yeah, yes. they can have, like, they can be really small. Um, and they're expected to stay in the Heo they joined for the entirety of their career because there's no transfer system in sumo wrestling. I think that's still true, too. Like, it, you're, you're expected to have, like, extreme loyalty to it. So is that um, like your the only is the hey like your team that you're on basically? Yes. Then? Yeah, it's yeah. your it's your team. Okay. Um, and the only the only time you can actually leave your your hey-ah is that if the coach who originally scouted you, um, if he if he founds a new hey-ah, um, you are permitted to follow him to that hey-ah, or if your um, or if your hey-ah that your end shuts down due to rep- uh, due to the retirement or death of the stable master, or if there's mismanagement um, of the hey-ah. Or if there's a uh, financial issues, um, so but when that happens, they're um, they're they're allowed to transfer, but usually it has to be within the same uh, ichimon, which is the same sort of grouping of heya. So, for instance, if you were in the Florida Gators um, heya, and, and they shut down, you would have to stay within the SEC ichimon. Right. Okay. Which is which is good because you know I'm tired of these guys just taking trades to other teams. You know I yeah. want them on one team forever, so that we know what we got every year. You know. Yeah. The the Nishonoseki uh, stable it became defunct in 2013. <laughs> these 2013. Like, yes. These things give me very heavy. I don't know if you guys know who Mark Schultz and David Schultz are. They're like Olympic wrestlers that basically like started this. Uh, it's like team fox catcher with this yep. guy that kind of yeah. like ran it all, the Dupont guy. This yeah. is it, yeah, this yeah. is the vibes that I'm getting from this. It's worse than that because uh, there's a book I, I recommend people read if you're interested in sumo or if you want to just read about it. It's not real long. It's called The Way of Salt, and uh, it teaches about that. It's like a rigid classist structure inside of a classist structure. Mm-hmm. I mean, like these guys are stuck there, and and you have to make a lifetime commitment. Yeah. Like you don't get to do anything else. You live there, you work there, you eat there, you sleep there, you train there. Like every little thing is your whole life is caught up in this whole sumo dynamic, and it's uh, it's very interesting because you know it's a it's a religious uh thing, you know it's Shintoism. Yeah, and it's, yeah. And, it, and it's one of those things too where. Um, like most things in Japanese culture, exceptions are not made for people who are outside the culture. Nope. Like, like if you're if you're a foreigner, like there are a lot of Mongolians and Samoans, Turkish and, guys, and, and, and also yeah, Turkish and and also some um, Europeans and Americans who um, who compete in it. Um, they you're treated the same as everybody else. Like they they don't make any sort of like allowances. Like like you have to abide by the culture 
that's set down. Like, the culture doesn't change for you. You have to change for the culture. I've been taking a break from it recently, but, like, uh, yeah, like, the one uh, Yokozuna, I always forget his name off the top of my head, but he was, like, he was Hawaiian, I believe. Rikishi, you talking about? No, but he was Hawaiian. <laughs> he was Hawaiian, but like, <laughs> you come in. There's there's one guy in there right now. I can't think of his name, but he's a he basically looks like a big white guy because he is a big white guy, and he has to, you know, he was having a bad few years there, and like, he he got sent down into the lower level. Like he wasn't on. There's different tiers of sumo wrestlers, mm-hmm. and like they were making him like do the do their laundry and like go get them food. And stuff like that. Yeah. And here's like a grown ass man, dude. He's like six four, like three fifty, you know, Jesus like a Christ. big hulking dude. Big massive, dude. massive dude. And they're just like, Yeah, go clean my underwear. Oh and he no. and he has and he has to do it. See, that would be not nah, that's the end for me. I'm like, nah, it's bro, nuts, sorry. dude. Yeah, they don't make any exceptions just because you're not Japanese. You 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 have uh, to fall in line. It's like for, the military. For instance, for instance the uh the American wrestler uh John Tenta Oh yeah, um, they remember him as Earthquake. Oh yeah, um, yeah he yeah. he started out in sumo. Oh really? Um, and he's he began his sumo career when he was twenty two. You don't remember that when he when he sumo fought Yokozuna in the WWE? <laughs> it was uh, amazing. I don't. I never really watched it when it was the WWE. Now I did watch it when it was the WWF and also it was the w- WCW. It was, it was the WWF, I think, when they did. that. Yeah, it was WWF and at that time. I remember Yokozuna but, like I. I don't think it was real. I, I mean, I know it wasn't real, but like he like quote unquote killed somebody in the ring. It's some dude that like <laughs> with the American flag. Was it? It wasn't Hacksaw Jim Duggan. No, there's no way. No, but he didn't. He didn't. He kill like anybody. no, no, no. He didn't like like for like the um for the storyline. He killed somebody in the ring. Where like he like sumo like yeah. power bombed and dropped his ass on this dude's face and killed him in the ring. That was fantastic. <laughs> As a kid watching this, I was like, he just he just crushed that dude's head <laughs> and they like draped but, his coffin with the American flag and shit. <laughs> What is this? <laughs> <laughs> but but John Tenta, he, there, there's an article you can find where he talks about his experiences in sumo, and and he essentially just got tired of them uh, bullying him. Yeah, Aww. they tr- they treat you, they treat you like shit. It's not like an off thing though, man. Like really, it's bad. I've heard not, that Japanese culture just in general looks at people who are white just as kind of like yeah, like yeah, get out, well, get out of here. Well, even for well, even for regular like well, the reason why like. Uh, because of like I said, the way Japanese culture is is that you don't you don't change the culture, and the culture doesn't change for you. You change for the culture. Um, the same is true for people who live under it. Like a lot of times when you're like training like martial arts, like even if you're just like doing like meditation forms and stuff like that, the teachers will like actively like beat you. Jesus Christ! Like like they'll like forcibly like like arrange your body to how it's supposed to be, like to get you into the right position. Um, or they'll like hit you. Okay, well, to, like, okay. So correcting to the right position, correcting your pose, forcefully correcting your pose is not exactly you know assault. I'll, I'll take that as somebody who went to yeah. Catholic school. But the minute they start beating you to get you in the right pose, that's a problem. I'm gonna take exception to that. Uh, I had a piano teacher once, and I was like 26 or something like that, 27 when I went to him, and uh, I already knew how to play. But I went to him to kind of go back over some of the stuff and refine what I knew. Because mm-hmm. I was very self-taught, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm sitting there, and I'm I'm playing this one thing, and I keep hitting the wrong note, and he he hit my hand with a stick, mm-hmm. and I stopped playing, and I looked right at him, and I'm like, "Do not hit my hand again." I'm like, "Do do not do that again." How I'm old like, was he? 
He's like in his like fifties or sixties. Oh, not appropriate. Very, not appropriate. very, not appropriate. very nice guy. Really, really talented. But I was gonna say, if he's in his nineties with like that rounded I'm back, I'm an adult. Yeah, I'll take that. It's not gonna teach me anything. Yeah. You're not gonna teach me anything. Yeah. It don't work like that. It I'm never not a does. Dog. <laughs> I'm not a fucking yeah. animal. <laughs> I mean, I understand pushing people physically, but if you assault somebody, that there's it's so stupid. Line has been crossed. Um, so this this guy. Uh, 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 Momota, he comes to um, he comes to wait. Who is this guy now? Momota. Yeah, Momota is this. He's just this. Uh, he's like a fa- he's a father in law of a of a Japanese policeman in northern Korea who comes uh, who who hears about um, some prospects for sumo for like the sumo stable. Okay. Um, so he tr- so he tries to recruit um, he tries to recruit uh, um, Kim, but. He his family won't let him go because he has to care for his father. Um, however, his father um, uh, dies in 1939. Um, well, looks Kim, like my schedule just became wide the fuck open. <laughs> and then and then Kim is able to leave for Japan uh, the the following year, despite his mother uh, uh, disagreeing with him going. Nah, ma, dad's dead. I'm out of here. Deuces. <laughs> Deuces. <laughs> Um, so he joins the uh, uh, Nishonoseki uh, stable, um, and he debuts in June of 1940. That's a rough time to debut. Okay. Um, so initially, what happens is is that his uh, <laughs> his <laughs> Korean there's other stuff going around in the world in June of 1940 that would uh, kind of overshadow your sumo career <laughs> in Japan. Especially, yeah, especially yeah. in Japan. They're they're three years into the war with China at this point. Jesus oh my Christ. god! Um, and and one year away from essentially declaring war on the Western world. Um, so he debuts in June of nineteen forty, but his Korean uh, ethnicity is indicated on his ranking sheets, um, and because of that, he receives harassment and and racial discrimination. Weak. That's shitty. Um, but but what happens is. Is that he's adopted um, by uh, uh, by Momota, and he becomes uh, Mitsuhiro uh, Momota, um, and they have a story fabricated that he was born in Omura, um, Nagasaki. His name is Mitsubishi Motors, for the sake of ease, for the rest of this episode now. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> he wrestled under the name Mitsubishi Motors. His super move was the Eclipse. <laughs> They said it was a. They, a lot of people said it was a girl move. Oh like he shouldn't. Use, he shouldn't use it as a man because it's a Mitsubishi Eclipse. But his finish was the many. Many men were okay with using the Mitsubishi Eclipse as their move. <laughs> Do you remember that? And like, the, I don't know if that happened to you guys, but like when we were when I was in high school and everybody was like starting to get their first cars. The Eclipse one was of the, a girl's car. The Eclipse was incredibly popular, but at like. I wanted to get one at one point, and they were like, no, man, that's a girl's car. And I'm like, it's, are there girls' cars? I was like, are you, really? Like, there's a girl's car? Like, Apparently. what does that even mean? Apparently. What does yeah, that mean? a Mustang. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> if you didn't, you either had a Mustang, and you were a man, it's or an Eclipse, and you were a lady. You need a Mustang. Don't even discriminate. It's called Ford. It's for girls. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I said it. F-150 owners, come at me. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> some some asshole's gonna hear this and start rolling coal on me. <laughs> you, you ever born in Japanese North Korea and then you become a sumo wrestler? That's what it's like to drive the Ford F one fifty. Oh my god. Um after um soon after this he's given the ring name of uh Ricky Dozen. Um, and also despite this sort of fabricated uh, background from him becoming adopted, which um, within like Japanese society, like the way adoption uh, works is that you can be like adopted into a family and you're formally like a part of that that family. Um, is that not how because, adoption works everywhere else? You're well, adopted and you're well, formally a part of the family? <laughs> it's a little bit well, more like exacting. It's, I think. it's more complex because in, in Japan they have what's called family registration. Okay. Um, so, so you're considered like part of the line of the family. So it's akin like... Like, if the royal family, like, in, in, like, a lot of Western cultures, if they adopted a child as their own, it wouldn't be considered, like, a full member of the family. Ah, uh, okay. Instead of, like, but being if, But if you're of, brought in, okay. you're, you're considered, like, like that person. Like, like, you're considered to be a member of that family. Right, okay. Um, and, and despite that, he doesn't gain Japanese citizenship until 1951. Uh, because Koreans, even today, um, Koreans who are born in, in Japan and, and live within Japanese society, never never leaving, um, going to either of the Koreas or, or, or moving there or coming from there, um, they are considered um, like resident aliens. Okay. Is, oh, yeah, it's really well, Japan. Japan is weird like that anyway they're very and there's and there's a lot of discrimination against japanese koreans as well you don't say um (laughs) that that they're um and and especially because after the the korean war happens um they they they're either divided between uh being sort of loyal to either south korea or north korea um depending on where their family's from and like a lot of the like far right like Japanese politicians accuse the ones that are of that that are more associated with North Korea as being like that they should all be like kicked out of Japan. Oh no. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, but he is he's given the the uh, Shikona of uh, Ricky Dozen, um, and that's a a ring name that's given to sumo wrestlers. Okay. Yeah, like that guy I just sent the Georgian guy. He wasn't Turkish by the way. He was Georgian. Uh, the sumo wrestler, he's Tochi, yeah. no sh- yeah. Tochi Notion something, Tochi Suru or something like that. You look at him and you're like, no, you're not. Your name's like, your name's like Grigori, dude. Talk about cultural appropriation. <laughs> um, <laughs> Whoa, I just got super deja vu from you accusing me of cultural appropriation. <laughs> I have no idea why. It's probably happened before in the say, podcast. How often, how often do you do you do you appropriate cultures there, Steve? That that gives you deja vu. Dude, we live in America. Ah, it's like culture, culture's or... being appropriated twenty four hours a day. Like, <laughs> fuck out of here. You know, it's like the Hamburglar of stealing cultures. It's ridiculous, dude. I'm constantly like, I bought, like, I got Japanese food last night. It was great. He's got a big sack. He's throwing in like Indian headdresses or Native American headdresses in yeah. it. He's throwing in like. Well, I tried to get away from the appropriation. I, I fucking, I hate the idea of appropriation, but I tried to get like uh, out of the appropriation by using a fork to eat my food instead of a uh, chopstick. You know, just, just use the fucking chopsticks. <laughs> the fuck? If I ever, if I ever see I'm somebody a eating joke. sushi with a fork, no, I'm gonna I, slap him. 
I was eating uh, chicken katsu, so chopsticks oh, okay. kind of annoying. But I do know somebody that ate uh, sushi with a fork constantly, and it would yeah. just drive me nuts. Now you got the song stuck in my head again. God damn it. <laughs> tacos and sushi, tacos and sushi, tacos and sushi, and antidepressants. <laughs> Great song. Uh, um, in... In 1946, uh, Ricky Dozen would reach the top uh, division of sumo, the the Makuichi division, um, and he would be a runner-up. The Makuichi um, division. The, <coughs> to the Yokozuna uh, Haguroyama um, in the in the tournament of June 1947, um, losing in the playoff for that championship. So oh, like is Yokozuna they... weight class? No, it's like, like the it's like a champion. It's like okay. the the grand champion of of everything. There's there's tiers, and there's only like one thing in sumo. There's not like WWF and the WCW. There's just sumo, mm-hmm. and Makuichi is like the highest rank, and the Yokozuna is the highest rank of Makuichi. Okay, there's only one at any given time. Okay. Uh, he would participate in 23 tournaments, and he had a win-loss record of 135 to 82. Ah, I thought you were going to say way less than that. Ah, okay, so he's pretty average. Ah. Um, the highest rank he, he attained was uh, uh, Sekiwake, um, and he was reportedly close to promotion to being um, Ozeki um, before his retirement. I think Ozeki is actually one step below... He, yeah, uh, a sec... Uh, Sekiwake is the um, is the third highest rank. Yeah. Um, and Inozeki is is a is the champion rank, and it's like right below Yokozuna. Yeah. And then right below that you have Ozempic, which is an anti-diabetic medication. <laughs> <laughs> Don't high. take Ozempic if you drink orange juice or take MAOI inhibitors. You know you can't if you take if you have to take M- MAOI inhibitors, you can't take anything, dude. You know, like you ever watch those chocolate? Cr- you can't do anything, dude. It's crazy. Yeah. I like the the one thing I'd never heard of is like people that are like uh, sensitive to phenylalanine. Or whatever, like, and what? Yeah, and if you look it up, if you look at candy and shit, like if you you'll see it on the back, it says in bold font contains phenylalanine or something like that. Okay. Yeah, and I was like, what the fuck is that? Have I been eating that this whole time? Am I allergic to phenylalanine? When they hit you with prescription drugs, and it's amazing because America is the only country that does direct to consumer marketing for pharmaceuticals. But when they hit you with those drug like commercials, I love listening to the side effects. Yeah, it's like you'll have like Ozempic, like it's for diabetes, <laughs> if you have diarrhea, right? keep shitting, don't stop. No, it's like you know, Ozempic <laughs> can be used for your type two diabetes, and it, you know users may you, common side effects of Ozempic may include nausea, diarrhea, vomiting, stomach pain, constipation, Sudden death, <laughs> leaky <laughs> anal discharge, itchy eyes, death. I'm like what? What? <laughs> itchy eyes, man. Jesus, I can't even. Imagine that. Yeah, they just go on. Dry cough, uh, nasal discharge, dick nipples. You're like, what? <laughs> what a, <laughs> dick What's nipples? a dick nipple and why do I have it? Talk to your doctor today. Um, a, a clear reason for why Ricky Dozen uh, retired from sumo is, is not really given. Um, essentially what happens is, is that it's believed because he had been so successful um, coming from humble beginnings, um, and that he also uh, also might have faced 
uh, racial uh, discrimination for being uh, an ethnic Korean. Bark, bark, that, bark, that bark, people- bark, bark, bark. That's, <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> Probably. It's not even a whistle. Um, and no, then, you ever see, um, like, uh, what is it, the racism watchdog on Twitter? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's not um, even a dog yeah. whistle. Yeah, it just, it just responds to, like, shitty accounts, and it just says, bark, 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 I love bark. it. I love, so, love, love so. the racism watchdog. Definitely follow it. Pro follow. <laughs> oh, it's so good. But but largely what causes his retirement um, is is a dispute between him and the, the stable master, uh, Tomonomi uh, Daitaro. Um, R- Ricky Dozen feels that he's not getting um, that, that he's not um, getting enough financial support from the uh, the stable, um, but uh, Tomonomi considers uh, Ricky Dozen to be uh, selfish, um, and then uh, he refuses to give him like like more pay um, after a heated argument. Because so, um, Ricky Dozen is like one of their top guys, by the way. So him asking for more money is not really like. Like him being like greedy. So yeah, Ricky but these Dozen stable masters are jerk offs, right? Yeah. Okay. So and and Mitsubishi Motors is now his given name, correct? Uh, Mitsuhiro is his given name. Okay. Yes. Okay. And then Ricky Tiki Tavi is his ring name. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ricky Dozier, whoever. <laughs> I think that's a basketball player. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> are, you, are you being confused with Robert Lozier? Robert Lozier. R, as in Robert Lozier. O, as in, oh my god, it's Robert Lozier. <laughs> Hard R, Lozier. <laughs> B, as in, boy, that's Robert Lozier. Um, so, so publicly, it, it's claimed that he retired due to having uh, uh, Pero uh, Gono... Gonomiasis. Nailed it. Um, which is a uh, which is a foodborne parasitic infection caused by a uh, lung fluke worm. Oh man, um, dude, I've had that a couple times. You know, <laughs> fucking oh, lung uh, fluke worm. It took me a minute what to figure. It took me, it took a second to, to register. You're talking about paragonomiasis. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Um, but uh, oh, essentially what that. <laughs> I only know because I took microbiology, so I know about a lot of the right. more common uh, parasitic infections. It, uh, apparently, it's it's more common in East Asia. It's not really one that's... What causes it? In the, in the Western Hemisphere, lung fluke worm. Yeah, but, like, what causes lung fluke worm? Don't say creation myths. I mean, like, what? how do you get a, <laughs> well, was, how do you get a say, fluke worm in your you, lungs? You eat, you eat contaminated food that has the... Uh, the lung that has, like, the eggs worm. in it yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's very much like if you eat, like, contaminated beef... You know what I mean? And you get like, yeah, like you go to Taco Bell, right? Ah, uh, no, I don't say that. I love there goes Taco our Taco. Bell. There goes our Taco love, Bell sponsorship. I love Taco Bell. Don't ruin it for me. Oh, I love it so I much. I did yesterday. Oh, oh man, how was the bathroom today? <laughs> it was. It was fine. If you take Taco a... Bell, never stop shitting because if you stop shitting, the shit will just continue to build up inside of you until you explode. Frequent consumers of Taco Bell may experience nausea, vomiting, uncomfortable abdominal pain. Watery diarrhea. (laughs) (laughs) Severe depression, suicidal tendencies. Visit your doctor if you have any questions. A rare side effect of Taco Bell is what you ate coming completely whole cloth reconstituted out the other end. A rare side effect of consuming Taco Bell is enjoying your meal. <laughs> no, dude. Taco Bell's so enjoy. It's the Jim Gaffigan no, bit, you know. It's it. a tortilla with cheese, meat, or vegetables. Everything. Just I'm not gonna me. lie. When they got rid of the potato, um, the, the grillers. Oh, 
dude i used to so I, mad i that's how i got fat like i was like every time we were there i was like i'll take a number three and let me get two or three of those fucking grillers they're like two dollars they were like a dollar or two <laughs> two dollars so they were so heavy 580 oh. calories each i just have oh, this trash amazing. bag here can you just fill that up with those <laughs> it's full just tell me how much. sir that that is not a kitchen <laughs> trash bag sir that is a th- that is a 60 gallon bag <laughs> We don't have that many. Yeah, we do. Somebody on Reddit was talking about how Taco Bell is the only place you can go at like 2 o'clock in the morning, and they will literally fill an order of, of uh, 60 tacos. Like, the they'll most, just do it. Okay. The most you've ever done is 50. It, it, 50. And it was very fast. It was all soft tacos, though, so it may have contributed to how fast they could do it, but it was, we ordered 50 soft tacos, and we got it within 10 minutes easily. It's sick. It's sick. They deserve more money there, because they really provide a, a very, very they, powerful They're doing service. the Lord's work. Fuck now, yeah. I, I will point out, Ricky Dozen would have ate there. I guarantee listen, it. I just do want to point out about Taco Bell. I'm just fucking sick and tired of an entire goddamn store that smokes weed but cannot roll a fucking burrito, Okay. I am just so fucking sick and tired of these assholes and my burritos falling apart. I'm like, bro. Well, yeah, because they're, that's work, but weed is not work. But you know how to roll, motherfucker. <laughs> roll yeah, but, but, but I don't do, you know, the quality, you know. Either that or it's this new generation it with these the, fucking the, weed vape pens that they don't roll anymore. <laughs> these goddamn kids. <laughs> these kids. Doesn't have the crisp. Doesn't have the crisp consistency of a, of a rolling paper. <laughs> um... <laughs> But what really, uh, what really causes Ricky Dozen's retirement is that on September 10th, 1950, he has an argument with uh, Tamanomi, um, and Ricky Dozen cuts his own uh, uh, chomage. I'm sorry, his what? His, his hair? <laughs> His top knot. He he cuts his uh, all sumo wrestlers and and the only yeah, people that this. still have it today are it. sumo wrestlers and and kabuki actors. Yeah, um, they have the a law, they have right? a top knot that's called a uh, a chomage, um, and it's a a top knot that when you're uh, the the sort of a symbol of like of obligation. Okay. Like that you wear your hair this way and that when you cut it, it means that you've like lost that obligation. If somebody cuts it for you or you cut it yourself, it shows that you're breaking the obligation. So basically um, Samurai used to have it. So basically if you go to Japan and you pull those pranks where the kid runs around with the scissors cutting off people's man buns, you're gonna get murdered. You're you're gonna go to jail probably. For yeah, a long time. You you actually probably will go to jail. Because it's illegal to have one and not be a member of like a uh a heya or uh or uh, being kabuki. Yeah, it's like a symbol of your of being in that profession. Okay. Oh, it's like stolen valor then. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It, and um, if you cut it, it, it means that you're retiring. Okay. Um. So after he's after he retires from the stable, um, he begins working with Americans as a uh, a black marketeer. Oh, he's a fence. Um, so what he would do was he would he would purchase belongings from U.S. soldiers who were leaving for Korea, um, and then he would sell these goods to the Japanese. Hey man, come over here and sell me your shit. You're gonna die anyway. Let me get that bracelet. Let me get them that pen and paper and that watch. You're not gonna need that, man. <laughs> Yo, let me get those chocolates and cigarettes. All right, let's go. <laughs> let me get those shoes too. You don't want those shoes. <laughs> Um, Here, I'll trade you so, for these wooden sandals. Give me your boots, I'll give you these wooden sandals. You'll fit in in Korea better. <laughs> oh, my God. That's a Japanese um, thing. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, he, Definitely he, eventually, he, he eventually leaves this job, um, and 
uh, during this time, uh, there's a petition for him to return to Sumo, um, but he rejects it. Um, and he, he begins work as a construction supervisor um, by by a former patron of his when, when he was a sumo wrestler named uh, Shinsaku uh, Nita. Okay. Uh, Nita had gotten sort of like a cushy job um, in during, during the period of the American occupation uh, because Nita had been a um, he had been a guard at a prisoner of war camp um, and he had secretly provided American soldiers with food um, and cigarettes um, which, which was like which was something that could have probably gotten him in like serious trouble. That would have got him like, killed. Like, yeah, serious um, trouble. So, would have murdered for that. Um, so, in order to repay him, uh, the the GHQ, the the government uh, headquarters, is sort of running Japan at this time. Uh, they gave him they gave his construction company uh, preferential treatment um, with contracts. Wait, 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 wait. Why would that company give him preferential treatment? No, his company. He owns the company, and because it's his company, the government's saying, like, because we know that you're, like, a friend of the Americans, we're going to give you preferential treatment. Ah, okay. American government, not Japanese government. Yeah, so the 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 American government is the Japanese government at this time. Ah, okay. There there isn't really a civilian, like, there is a, a civilian government, but it answers to the Americans. Like... The Americans write the constitution that Japan has today. Okay, so we're talking post, like immediate post aftermath World War World. Yeah, this okay. is this is still during the the Korean War. Okay. Um, and Nita himself had, had ties to the uh, criminal underworld, um, and and it's believed that he had been deeply involved with sumo in this manner because sumo does until very recently have a big problem with like uh, yakuza. Oh wait a minute! You're going to tell me that 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 a guy. <laughs> who is willing to sneak in cigarettes and food and amenities for American soldiers also has ties to the criminal underworld. And even more importantly, yeah. a guy that owns a construction company has ties to the criminal underworld. I don't believe you, man. <laughs> Just uh, don't Ryan, believe you. <laughs> there's a word it's spelled naive. Uh, <laughs> did you know that the word naive begins with a G? Like, look it up. Did you know that the word orange is written on your ceiling right now? <laughs> uh, sorry, the word gullible is written on your ceiling right now? Yeah. Do you know the word gullible is not in the dictionary? That was the best one. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, give me my Webster's, hon. This man's telling me truths. Nah, fetch me the, fetch me to Oxford. I, I don't trust that Webster's liberal shit. Fetch me the Ox, for Oxford. <laughs> the true English. I don't know who this fuck this Webster bastard is. Give me that, that true English Oxford. Sounds like a liberal. <laughs> um, in in July of 1951, uh, a a Shriners Club based in Tokyo, the uh, the Tori Oasis uh, Shriners Club, yeah. they announced their intent to sponsor a charity drive for disabled children um, by having a professional wrestling tour. Wait a minute, the Shriners are also based in Japan. They were gonna make well, these are the, disabled well, these children are, wrestle. That's terrible, <laughs> <laughs> bro. I will these, fucking I, smack down one of them kids from fucking like St. Jude's if you put me in the ring with them. I will destroy like six of them. Ryan, what is wrong with you? They're doing a charity drive for disabled children. I'm just trying. To <laughs> I'm just trying to earn some money here. I'm just trying to make it entertaining. <laughs> Listen, they want to be treated. Handicapped children and disabled children want to be treated just like everybody else. Clothesline them. Oh my god! <laughs> uh. um, 
the Shriners Club itself, I believe, is is predominantly uh, Americans. I really like how uh, Ryan got in there and beat the shit out of me. <laughs> I'm a cancer patient. I'm just, you know, I just really like how he hit me in the face. It was great. Listen, don't fuck around and ever let me fulfill a make-a-wish that like a kid wants to do like a wrestling and a thing. I will not be John Cena. Bro, I will tombstone that little bastard. <laughs> oh my god. I will DDT him off well, the top turnbuckle. Well, ironically, <laughs> that's what happened to Ricky Dozen. No, I'm just kidding. Um, the the events themselves would also be promoted by a Honolulu businessman named Mo Lipton. Okay. <laughs> that does not sound like a man from Honolulu. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, I moved here in the arts. Sounds like a guy from New York. Hey, yeah, my name is Mo Lipton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, give me a call if you need anything. I handle business for you, okay? <laughs> Call me Big M. Oh my god! Like the team. As 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 this is all going on, uh, Ricky Dozen uh, he he begins to express interest in becoming a professional wrestler because he sees uh, the the Americans bring sort of wrestling to Japan with them um, to sort of perform for the the soldiers there, um, it, and he sees this and he realizes you know his skill set as a, a former sumo mm-hmm. can be like transferred into professional wrestling. Well, that's our number one uh, export, Steve. Violence. <laughs> no lie okay listen just as a side note when i was in italy i met a canadian family and they were like oh where do you guys keep your guns while you're over here <laughs> swear to god swear to god they, they, it was the dad of the canadian family was like oh yeah where do you keep your guns do you bring them with you oh I was like, bro god. what what oh, no what no fucking hell that's terrible just if you want any idea of what to expect if you go overseas Anyway. Oh yeah. Um. So in September, uh, the, the wrestling promoter Al uh, uh, Karasik, um, of the Honolulu-based Mid Pacific Promotions, announced that he, along with uh, uh, Joe Malsewicz of uh, the NWA uh, San Francisco, that's um, a National Wrestling Association, which is sort of like one of the. Uh, one of the territories that are sort of aligned with each other in um, the the continental United States, um, that they would secure a deal with Lipton. Um, so they send six wrestlers for a 12-date tour um, held from September 30th uh, to December 11th. Um, these wrestlers would include Harold uh, Sakata um, and uh, Mid-Pacific uh, booker uh, Bobby, Bobby Bruins. Okay, so... Well, actually, let's just... Fit, I'll, I'll ask my question at the end. Go ahead. Um, so, uh, Bruns, um, <laughs> while he's, uh, he was in Japan before the tour began, um, and he invites Ricky Dozen, um, as well as a, a judoka named, uh, Kokichi Endo, um, and another one named, uh, Yasuyuki, uh, Sakabe, uh, to participate in the, uh, the, the events. Um, so Ricky Dozen is giving, uh, one month of training, um, and he makes a professional, uh, wrestling debut at Ryo Goku Memorial Hall. Um, on October 28, 1951, where he wrestles uh, Bruns to a 10-minute time limit draw. Um, and, and Ryo Goku Memorial Hall is, like, one of the big, like, wrestling venues in Japan. Like, in, in modern day, like, in modern day times, it's considered to be, like, like Madison Square Garden in terms of, like, oh, venues wow. to perform in. Okay. okay. Um, so, he continues to work for the rest of the tour. Um, and... 
And he he later admits that he did this with a lot of difficulty because he lacked the stamina required to be a professional wrestler. Okay, so here's where I need to ask my question. Here in America, if you're talking about professional wrestling, you immediately think WWE, WCW, you know, like the NWO Wolfpack, the ow, that shit back in the day, right? We know yeah. that it is, you know, you know, air quotes, real, because it is, you know, real yeah, physical stamina and physical, you know, dexterity that's taken to do this. However, we also know that it is scripted, right? So how does this square with somebody who's coming from Japan where it's not like a scripted match where the winner is known beforehand to come to America? And how do you win that? Like, I thought that this was scripted well, stuff. Well, it is It is scripted, but it's saying that, like, either you're good enough that they put you over, meaning that they have you be a winner. Um, so it, it is like the... The, res- the end results are predetermined, but since he does have the ability to perform, they're they're more willing to like put him over. They're not just going to have him be like a like a jobber, somebody who's just going to feed whoever their their like good guys are. So this tour that Ricky Tiki Tavi and everybody else was was going on, like the 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 outcome of the matches were already predetermined. They were just kind of basing them. Uh, if they're going to win or lose based on their personality, how much they like them, et cetera, et cetera. Like nothing to do with skill. Or, or, or storylines, um, which which we'll get into. Um, but it, it, it's just sort of a matter of like who the bookers um, want to win. Um, generally, because they have a Japanese audience, they're going to be putting the Japanese talent over the, the foreigners. Okay, so this isn't like a Kurt Warner comes from Canadian Football League to American Football League, and it's not really much of a change because it's still overall football. Now you're going from actual sumo wrestling where it takes you know, your actual physical ability to now your what is your ability to be a showman, I guess? Well, it's it's your ability to also perform as a wrestler. Your you know your ability to to do like maneuvers to put people in holds to 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 pull off different moves while while staying able to uh, perform okay. for the time limit. Okay. Um, because because they do have to perform for a certain amount of time. It's not just like they go in there um, and then they just say like, well, that guy's supposed to win at the end. So. Is, you know, usually, usually it's not what's called a squash, which is where just like one guy will come in and just like completely destroy the other guy in like a couple minutes. Okay, like the like so if you attend live wrestling events, Steve is talking about like the first matches that aren't even televised, like those ones right there. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, they have uh, dark matches will often be uh, squash matches or against uh, what's called um, developmental talent who are who are wrestlers who are who are just sort of like coming up. I would have loved to see like Macho Man just one more time oh, yeah. to appreciate him because he was such a good, amazing like personality. Yeah, he's great. Coked up all the time. Um, <laughs> just full, so, full board, full blow. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, but uh, Ricky Dozen uh, yep. leaves Japan yep. in February of, of 1952 to uh, continue training um, in America and gain experience. Um, he does a five-month stint for Mid-Pacific Promotions, uh, where he is trained by uh, Oki uh, Shikina. Okay. Um, he he establishes himself as um, as a big uh, wrestling star in Japan because he defeats many American wrestlers um, in, in the domestic matches. Um, so because this is right after World War II, um, the the Japanese people need somebody to show them, you know, that they're that they can be tough. Right, Be- because they've 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 been defeated by the Americans. They're living under an American occupation, 
Um, so he becomes uh, incredibly popular for this. Um, and his American opponents also assist him because uh, they're being the heels in this case. So they play up, you know, being the evil right. Americans. Right. Um, and they will they will cheat often in their matches to try to win against him. Again, scripted, though. Like, scripted cheating. Yes, okay. it's, it's all... Yeah, it's all scripted. Completely uh, He might not... He might not <laughs> know, like... You might not know what they're gonna do, right? Like they, like they don't always go over like every detail of the match, but they'll but they'll give people like notices when they're gonna do like certain spots to like be ready for it, right? So to do this, I guess, I guess if you want to put it all together, being a professional wrestler requires physical stamina and physique and the ability to improvise and have like yeah. a good personality. Like those three things, you'd be an amazing wrestler. Um, but uh, Ricky Dozen, uh, when he wrestles in America, he's initially booked as a villain, but because of his uh, personality, um, he's often booked as a babyface because he comes off very well as like this like strong uh, hero type, um, and he's one of the first Japanese wrestlers to be cheered as a, a face in American wrestling after World War II. What is a babyface? Is that just somebody who's uh, doing a, good? A babyface is like the opposite of a heel. It's like the like the the good guy. Okay. Uh, for instance, like Hogan during his like eighties run would be considered like a babyface. Like he's always when he was the Hulkster. He's, oh, yeah, when he's like always good. Like Hulkamania Hulk would yeah. be a babyface. The red and yellow <laughs> Hulkamaniacs. Yeah. Skin of a hot dog and the silken hair of a Chinese man. <laughs> <laughs> that's his look, bro. That's fucking perfect. Jesus Christ! It looks like cor- like the like the hair of like corn shucks. His hair. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Like that oh, yeah. fine, yeah. silky hair. That's what it looks that's like. From uh, those, the those best bandanas were were doing a lot of heavy pulling. <laughs> heavy the best. <laughs> The best episode of It's Always Sunny, which is the gang wrestles for the troops. It's amazing. Oh, I haven't seen that one. I gotta go back and watch it. Oh, no. Dude. I, I have not yeah. seen every episode of, of It's that, Always no, Sunny. That's, that's fine. usually it's my fine background that you seen like, them TV all. show to watch. It's fine that you haven't seen them all. It is not fine that you have not seen this. <laughs> you must see it. Uh, it has Rowdy Piper Ricky Dosen's... Oh, yeah. Send me what episode it is. Let me know. The warrior loves yeah, I'll you. Find it for you. The maniac. The maniac. Oh, yeah, the yeah, maniac. That's what it is. The maniac. It's like loves the maniac you. loves you. <laughs> he kept calling you the N word. It was really He weird. dropped the N word. He called all of you. <laughs> really? He didn't seem racist. <laughs> um, Ricky Dozen's like first big break that makes him internationally famous is on August twenty seventh, nineteen fifty eight. Um, he wrestles uh, Luthez, who is the uh, the NWA International Heavyweight Champion at that time, fucking, and beats fucking him. Fucking legend. The NWO? Like, okay, is it black and white or black NWA. and red? NWA. <laughs> oh, never mind. Well, the NWA. Like, the, oh, wait, NWA, NWA, like, fuck the police? Yeah. <laughs> well, the, Cruising the NWA, down the street in my sick Like, oh. Ice Cube, Easy e DJ Ren, Yelp. Like, yeah. all them? Okay. Okay. Um, but the, it the was NWA MC is, Ren, by the way, not DJ Ren. Oh, I thought it was DJ well, Ren. Well, for instance, oh, um, like white WCW, people correcting white people. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Steve. But uh, like WCW was was used to be a part of like it was an NWA territory, um, and, and they would have like NWA. Um, belts that could go between the territories. So people from different territories, like say, um, 
wrestling used to be very territorial and protective in the United States, where like one promotion runs like a section of the country, like they run the southeast, and no right. one is allowed to like come in and run shows in that area only through that NWA chapter like, or whatever like wrestling Ch- association and then it is. Like the one guy um, who's like the stable master, like Jim Crockett, and those guys. Yeah, yeah. Like like Jim Crockett, them the, these guys who run it, and, and eventually what happens is is that there there is a lawsuit. Um, between WCW and the NWA, that that sort of strips NWA of like its its power to sort of have this like monopoly I'm sorry, over did you wrestling. Say WCW, yeah, it was around that uh, long ago. Well, yeah, it's the NWA still exists today. Um, Billy Corgan of Smashing Pumpkins is the current owner. Shut the fuck of the up. NWA. No, he's not lying. Um, <laughs> it's crazy. And um, but but what happens is this is around the time like ECW becomes uh famous because ecw was an nwa uh promotion i'm sorry what and year is this no i'm saying this is what happens in oh, the 90s uh, but i'm just describing like why why you don't really have the nwa anymore. oh my god dude i thought it's, you were still talking of, about like, the 60s i was like wcw's been around since the 60s what the f- all right anyway <laughs> um so ricky dozen defeats fez who is um who is like the the international uh, heavyweight champion? You say Fez, um, and he's he's like a legend. You say Fez, yeah, like Lu- like Wilmer Lu- Valderrama, Luthez, Luthez, yeah, Luthez. Oh, T-H, like E S Z or something. Okay, yeah. all right, not Fez from that seventy um, show. Heard, and and in another <laughs> match as well, uh, Fez uh, agrees to put over Ricky Dozen, which is which causes like that that sort of hurts his reputation because if if one wrestler puts over another wrestler it means they make them look good and in theory they make themselves look bad in the process um like for instance Hulk Hogan was notorious for not putting other wrestlers over and, and just having a lot of demands about what could and couldn't be done to him in his contracts right like for instance for a long time in Hulk Hogan's contract you couldn't call him bald or you couldn't bring attention to his like hairline that's dumb and the as second shit. it was and in the second it was broken, uh, Roddy Piper would just constantly, like, shit on his, uh, him being bald. That's so fucking dumb. Like, I thought you were talking about, like, he can't be, like, tombstoned off the top turnbuckle. Like, that is in his contract. Well, he is too old well, for that shit. stuff like that, but it, it, but it gets other things, too. Like, for instance, there was another big-name wrestler who left WWE, and, and he allegedly tried to big league one of the other wrestling promotions by having it in his contract that no other former WWE wrestlers could beat him. That he would always he, that he would always be uh, that they would always have to put him over. Sounds like some Dean Malenko shit. Um, and because uh, Thez and Ricky Dozen um, they they sort of build up this like working relationship with each other where they begin to uh, they begin to respect each other, especially Ricky Dozen, because he realizes you know that Thez is is sort of hurting his own career by by putting over Ricky Dozen. Okay. Um. So. Uh, Ricky Dozen, he captures several NWA titles um, in matches um, in Japan and overseas. Um, and then he also begins training his own students. Um, some of them also become legends, such one is Antonio Inoki, um, the founder of um, New Japan Pro Wrestling, um, Oki Kentaro, and Shohei Giant Baba. And Giant Baba and Antonio Inoki are like the two biggest names in like contemporary, or, or I should say like like after Ricky Dozen, they're the two biggest names in Japanese wrestling. Yeah. Um, and Giant Baba, um, he goes on to found um, All Japan Pro Wrestling. I'll tell you what, I I feel like just watching clips. Japanese wrestling is so much more fun uh, in the year of our Lord twenty twenty two. 
is so much more interesting to watch than like the WWF or WWE, whatever the fuck it is uh, now. Yeah, absolutely, I totally because they agree. just sacrifice their body for the team. They, they just beat the shit fuck. out of each other. <laughs> they and, don't give a fuck. and the best part about it too is like you, you know, and this this may sound a little weird, but like because the storylines in a different language, I don't have to listen to it. I can just wait for them to fight, and that's all I give a shit well, about. Well, like when it comes to well, wrestling, like New Japan Pro Wrestling, they don't really do like the the storyline promos right. like they do in WWE like they wrestle and then after the match like after all the matches they'll have like a presser where they'll like call each other out or something like that like one of them who's really funny is a British guy named uh, Zack Saber Jr. There there was one because they were sponsored by um, Zima because they still have Zima in Japan and <laughs> oh they just shoved God. a bunch of he shoved a bunch of Zimas into his um, into his like trunks. As he left, because he's like, these are mine. Oh my god, dude. dude but th- Imagine that's... if he did it with Smirnoff ice. I got iced! <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing, like, it's so much better because they're actually wrestling. Like, it's about the wrestling. It's not about the stupid fucking storylines they have to come up with for everything. It's the it's it's like luchador wrestling. Like, it's yeah, amazing. Ray Mysterio Lucha. Jr.? Ray Mysterio Even Jr. Bad was Lucha's my fucking good. shit. Yeah, hell yeah! He was my jam when he was, like, first up and coming. When he was, like... Five foot four, destroying people like Andre the Giant and shit like that. I was like, this guy fucking awesome. He's yeah. like flipping around the ropes and doing all his little like flips in the ring and shit. And these guys are just looking at him like, I can't keep up yeah, with this. Ricky Dozen wasn't really big either. He was like five nine, right? Yeah, he wasn't. Um, he wasn't too tall. He was five foot nine, and he was about two hundred and forty three pounds. That's pretty big, though. Wow, that's a lot of he weight. Was a, Holy like, shit, I'm six like two two fifty. He has like a sumo. Uh, he has like a sumo frame. Yeah, which is just what fat in the middle. Well, yeah, he's just like wide. Yeah, okay. He's not like he's not like fat. He's he's just like he's just like bulky. Yeah. If you look at him, yeah. okay, okay. Which is what J.C. Penney would refer to as the husky size. Man. Yeah, he was, he was a <laughs> husky Stop, stop bringing up my childhood. <laughs> Go back to school shopping in the husky section of Sears now, and Ryan, Ryan, you know you're husky. in husky. <laughs> stop trying to fit in a 32, Ryan. You know you're a 36. <laughs> no, no, just, just stop. I'm going to get it to work, okay? <laughs> I'm all the way zipped. <laughs> Suck it um, in, Ryan. Suck it in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, R- Ricky Dozen's uh, signature move he would use was uh, was was sort of a karate chop that was based on a, a harate from sumo, which is sort of like the uh, like the sumo strike. Okay. Did he, um, I'm, he, uh, never mind. I'm not going to go there. Go ahead. <laughs> I was about to be like, did he say hi yap when he did it too? He might have. <laughs> um, he. Uh, he very likely was uh, influenced by one of his friends, a Korean-born Japanese uh, uh, karateka named uh, Hideo Nakamura, um, who was like a very close friend of Ricky Dozen, as well as um, a fellow Korean named uh, Matsutatsu um, Oyama. That sounds familiar. Uh, because it's Hideo Kojima is what sounds familiar, not Nakamura. No, just, 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 fuck <laughs> Um, but as Ricky Dozen begins to become more and more famous and gains more and more wealth, he begins investing more in nightclubs, hotels, uh, condominiums, and boxing promotions. This motherfucker's corrupt. Here comes the Don King coming out of him right now. He he establishes uh, Japan Pro Wrestling Alliance, the JWA, which is the first professional wrestling promotion in Japan, and he establishes it in 1953. Okay. Um, 
His first major feud was against uh, Masahiku Kimura, uh, that uh, one of the judokas that had been um, that had been on the tour with him. Is that Hanakamura's like relative? I don't think so. I think she takes the name because Hanakamura's father is Indonesian. Oh, okay. Rest in peace. F in the chat. Because that's that's one of the reasons why she was like driven to suicide is because she was she was in full blooded Japanese. Right. So they bullied the shit out of her. I'm sorry. What? Oh, dude, that's another that we could do another show on Hanakamura. She killed herself because she wasn't full blooded Japanese. Well, because she was she was harassed. She was on a um, she was on a reality show that they purposely edited to make her look um, like she was like mean and and quote unquote unladylike. Can you imagine? Um, that, that, oh my god, dude! Did she and not, then that the, and then the harassment, which she had, she had uh, suffered harassment her entire life. I hate that because like being, that's that's the, the, the that's the purpose of editors and, and, and you producers know, on top is of to make too, you look like something like that. I watched that, the Bachelorette. I know that these bitches don't act, actually act like that. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> well, my roommate that, watches the Bachelorette. I just kind of you know. On top of that, she was actually like really good. Like she was very, very good wrestler. She was, she was one of the most talented uh, Joshi wrestlers. So basically, uh, Joshi's what they call women's wrestlers. So she would destroy any one of the lovely ladies from the WWE. Uh, are, you, well, are you talking like the diva era where they, like, a lot of them didn't even actually know how to wrestle? Yeah, where they just kind of like threw each other, oh, yeah, like, threw themselves them into up. one another. Like, like people like Charmel uh, and um, nah, like China. Like Trish, I'm talking about like China. Trish Stratus. Like, well, China. well, China was a legit wrestler. That's what I mean. Like an actual China. Like an actual woman wrestler not the whole oh i'm gonna put your face in my crotch and kind of rub it there well, for a she second could, and I she win. could probably she could definitely probably hold her own against uh, an opponent the size of uh, china bro have she, you she watched, definitely wrestled some have you watched some wrestlers to that size have you watched okay. japanese female wrestling before ryan i haven't i find, oh, I find it weird to watch wrestling when God, I'm by myself dude. especially if i'm like watching women's wrestling by myself because if somebody walks in there's no good way to explain what you're doing just it tell me very it's, weird just tell me you're doing some prep work before you go do the real thing in the other room they're gonna be like what jerking off you're prepping to jerk off like what no you're prepping to do cool moves into your mattress that's all yeah (laughs) you have your you have your you have your wrestle buddy i don't have my brothers or a bunk bed here anymore so i can't (laughs) well you got to practice the cool moves so that when your brother's there you could be like check this shit out Dude, I can't even you explain do- to you how fun it was as a kid when my mom bought my two brothers bunk beds. Like, I had my own room, but they got bunk beds, and we would go in there and, like, elbow drop each other off the top uh, bunk. Oh, that was great. Bro, amazing. I don't know how we all lived past, like, you know, being 15 years old without, like, losing an eye. I just, I just don't know. <laughs> I knew I knew that bu- we had the bunk beds, like, almost, almost into high school because we just, my mom, we didn't have a lot of money, so it was not like we were going to go get, like, a new bed. And, and I was like, uh, Steven, are you comfortable? All right, we we good. Were, we knew it was over when my buddy came over, and he was uh, he was a freshman in high school, and I was still in grade school. And he comes over, and he sits on the bed, and just the metal just makes this whining noise and just collapses <laughs> to the ground. <laughs> it's like, we're grown up now. <laughs> All right, looks like I'm getting an old bed. Time to go. Thank you. Uh. There were several uh, famous feuds that, that Ricky Dozen had throughout his career. Uh, his first one was against uh, Luthez, and, uh, which went from 1957 to 1958. Um, he 
famously wrestled Freddie Blassie in 1962, um, and he also wrestled the Destroyer, who was a masked wrestler who was also famous from this time period in 1963. Uh, the Destroyer actually wrestled as a foreigner in Japan for a long time, and he was eventually given like one of the highest civilian uh, merits of honor by the Emperor. Uh, also wrestling under the moniker Doctor X, this motherfucker looked like Texas Chainsaw Massacre's Leatherface. Just want to throw that out there because that is somebody that I actually have heard of before. Jeez. Um, uh, a wrestling journalist, John M. Molinaro, in his in a 2002 book titled Top 100 Pro Wrestlers of All Time, he knows that two of Ricky Dozen's matches are the top 10 television programs of all time in Japan. Mm, who's the top 100 um, pro wrestler of all time, according to John Moltobane? What the fuck his name is? What? Moltobane. <laughs> who's his number one, you know? I don't, I don't know. Ah! I, I, I can tell you who the the wrestling observer one is when we get to the bottom of it. Okay. Who is who is top who is who are in the top three. Just look it up on um, just load up Bing. <laughs> <laughs> um but his October sixth, nineteen fifty seven match where he it was a sixty minute match that was that went to a draw with Luthez um for the NWA uh, World Heavyweight Championship drew an eighty seven point uh, zero rating. Um, it is May 24th, 1963, uh, 60-minute, uh, uh, two out of three falls draw with the Destroyer drew a 67.0 uh, rating. Um, Where's this going? And his, and his uh, previous match had the largest viewing audience in Japanese history. Um, and um, then, the, uh, then the previous match, uh, because since uh, more people had televisions, that's by 1963. Um, I just do want to point out that I did pull up the top 100 pro wrestlers of all time uh, book as written uh, by uh, Mr. Molinaro or Moltisanti or whatever. Chris um, Moltisanti. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, one, I did then. Number one is Luthes. Tony. Luthes. Yeah. Luthes. Luthes sorry. Luthes. Uh, Hulk. Uh, the Hulk Maniac is number five. Uh, Ricky Tiki Tavi is number seven. What? Ric Flair. Woo! He's who number the, 10. Who the fuck's Ricky Tiki Tavi? Uh, our guy, uh, Ricky Dozen. Uh, Ricky Dozen. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's number seven. All right. Uh, Rick Flair, the Nature Boy himself, is number ten. Uh, Andre the Giant's four. Is he fourteen? I just scroll thirteen. Yeah. Well, some of these. Well, some of these guys too. I'm guessing it's it's weighted because they don't have as long a career as some of the other ones. Because uh, like the because like well the way like it's listed says- well the way it's listed is I don't know if they're listing it because it says okay I'm going to tell you exactly how it's listed it says. Let the arguments begin. So it says one, like it's like a list of number one. It says Luthez, and then it has in parentheses the number two. So I don't know if they're ranking him number two or if he is number one. Because, it might have been a tie. Because the next one is number two, says George, I'm sorry, Gorgeous George. Yeah, Gorgeous which, George. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And in parentheses it says 17. So I don't know if he was ranked number 17 in the book, and this is just them highlighting a couple wrestlers, or... That, that might be what it is, um... It's how many heart attacks they've had. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> Gorgeous George really put a record out there. Boy, Gorgeous George is great, too. He was doing numbers. He, he, he was fun to watch. I think he, he's the one that Ric Flair based this thing off of, right? Also, scrolling I, through this I think list he was is... heavily uh, influenced by him. This list is really bringing me back some, some fucking... Some goddamn nostalgia, too. Like, Dusty Rhodes and Jerry Lawler. and What? The, I mean, The Rock is in there, but okay. But, like... 
there's some pretty fucking old school wrestlers that I just hadn't thought about in a long time in here. Terry Funk? Stop there's, it. Side note, I didn't like when The Rock started using the word bitch. I didn't like it. Oh, wait, when was this? Just didn't like it. Like, in his promos, he would just drop that and be like, you're a, like, bitch. And it was like, I don't like that. Don't Damn, like would he really? I didn't even know. That's a bad look. What? That's that's always because you're, you're supposed to root for the Texas rattlesnake. He was the superior. Don't, don't, don't. Ricky Dozen uh, famously owned a, uh, a luxurious apartment known as uh, Ricky Mansion. It was located in <laughs> Akasaka, Tokyo. Um, it has a large R printed on the side of the building at the top that's still there today. Okay. Um, he also owned a nine-story uh, Ricky Sports Palace in, in Shibuya, Tokyo that included a bowling alley, a pool room, a bar known as Club Ricky, and a restaurant known as uh, Ricky Restaurant. What? Should have been Restaurant, uh, like Rick, that's Rick a- Restaurant. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, fuck. That's great. Oh, man, that's amazing. Def- <laughs> definitely better than Hulk Hogan's pasta restaurant at the Mall of America. <laughs> Brother. Or, or his, current one, brother. His, his, his current one with the, uh, uh, the, the, the racist rules uh, at the beach house. Yeah, yeah. absolutely no work boots. <laughs> yeah, you can't. You essentially can't dress like Hulk Hogan, and his it is bid to not have you know those people in there. Work boots. Um, um. Shortly before his death, he had purchased land. Um, no dark skin, brother. <laughs> It is the worst, dude. <laughs> that list of things that you can't, yeah, you can't I'll, have. We'll, we'll put it in the. We'll put Let's it in the. Say like the, the Hogan's, Hogan's Beach House. Beach house. Uh, okay, that's. But it's like no. It's it's like one of those things with a club, where, like you can't wear like sports apparel or whatever. It's essentially designed to like keep out like like black people. Yeah, there was a club back home. I won't mention the name of it, but they had like they had a, a list of rules and they got in trouble for it because it was clearly talking about not letting in certain people from Trenton. That's what it was. <laughs> There's a, no plain no plain white t-shirts, no oversized t-shirts. Uh, no this is excessively so baggy attire. Uh, he just, he just didn't want John whistle. Cena coming in. Hey, uh, hey Ryan, bark, 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 bark. <laughs> Listen, yeah, no, this isn't a dog whistle, it's a foghorn. No do-rags. I'm sorry, no do-rags, skull caps, or bandanas. So basically, the Hulk minute, can't go which, in. Hulk yeah, can't go into his same <laughs> club. Can't go to his own club. <laughs> the minute you said oversized t-shirts, I was like, yeah. Yeah. Apparently, Jimmy Hart has his own restaurant. And he'll go to like Hogan's restaurant and just like eat wings there all day. <laughs> I guess he gets to eat for free or whatever. Oh, oh yeah. my god! Um, so Ricky doesn't. He he was going to invest in this uh, this large scale golf course called the Lakeside Country Club before he died, which would have had a, a shooting range, indoor skating rink, a hotel, um, and, and more. Uh, but it remained incomplete due to due to his death. Um, and it was eventually sold and became the Sagami Lake Resort, um, which is a, a hotel. Bro, he should have bought property or, or invested in Vegas. All this shit that he's doing, he could have invested in Vegas and had that all in one under one roof and made a fuckload of money, just hand over fist doing it too. Who Ricky? Ricky? Wait, was yeah. it? He couldn't have done it. He couldn't have done it back then because he wasn't mobbed up. Yeah. Are you sure? Frick he you, Sam not, Rothstein. Not, Frick not the you. not the Italian. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, not, not, the, not Italian. the Italian okay. mob. All right, not the Italian. Yeah, mob. yeah. they ain't, they ain't letting in 
They letting in the, the Japanese. Who's this guy? That's not what they called them, by the way. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, no, nah, we're just going to keep going. We're not going to talk about what they called them. We're just going to keep this as PG-13 um, as possible. <laughs> he was he was known to have had many girlfriends throughout his uh, lifetime, um, and he would often see numerous women at the same time. Um, and, but he eventually married a woman named uh, Keiko Tanaka. Uh, shortly before he died, she was a um, she was a stewardess, like uh, airline stewardess. Yes. Okay. Um, and in and in 1984, uh, a, an article in in Playboy uh, drew a lot of attention because it revealed uh, that Ricky Dozen was actually from Korea um, and that he had been uh, married and had children before he met Tanaka. Uh, which was considered to be uh, taboo in Japan they, at that time. They doxed him. Oh man! Did it fuck him? Did it screw him over? Well, no, and because this is like after he died. So this is this is like about twenty years after he died. Oh wait, did I miss that we went over his death? We haven't gotten. To oh okay. It. Wait, yeah, how um, the fuck have we not gotten to? We're twenty years after his. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that's. I'm saying it was revealed 20 years after he died all right, that he had had a previous wife. <laughs> okay. How did he die? Um, which, will, which will come up. How did he. All right, so I'm going to guess uh, Ricky Ticky Tavi had a heart attack in, uh, let's see, Trenton, New Jersey, mm-hmm. wrestling. At the gardens. At the gardens. Of course, at the gardens. What the fuck else would it be? At the gardens in Trenton, New Jersey, while he was wrestling. Uh, Mr. Bit, uh, not Mr. Bit, um, Big Boss Man. <laughs> <laughs> Big Boss Man wasn't a twinkle in his eye. Yeah. <laughs> uh, often after his matches, he would go to the uh, Ricky Sports Palace and, and start drinking without cleaning up from the matches, oftentimes uh, bleeding. Um, and, and he would joke with the staff that uh, work was awful today. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> Bad day at the office, covered in blood and bruises. My left arm doesn't work. <laughs> Give me a beer. That's called a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> I need stroke. <laughs> I could something you could stroke. All right, sorry, guy. Um, he also um, he would uh, he would go hunting in his spare time, um, and was said to have uh, to own several legitimate hunting guns at the time of his death. Which is sort of a big deal in Japan. What is a legitimate hunting gun? This may be just my Americanism coming out. Like but, hey, you can hunt like right a, like a rifle or a shotgun, as opposed to like a like a pellet gun. Okay, all right. So an actual gun. Um, okay. And and it, it his autobiography. He he also claimed uh, he also claimed that he would uh, he would have his wife carry a handgun uh, wherever she went. Why? Well, yeah, because I mean, this is the time period when, you know, wrestling was like, they took it really seriously in some of these places. You know, like you. Well, even like in the seventies, like Piper had stories of guys who would like jump out of the stands with a knife and like try to kill him. Yeah, like they were they were nuts, man, and they kept I it mean, they a, kept yeah, it real. Like this was when they didn't break so called kayfabe. Like yeah, they yeah. did not break the like they were themselves outside of the ring and in the ring. Also, to be fair, I feel like it was actually a lot more realistic in, like, the 70s and the uh, 80s, yeah, yeah. where it's scripted, but, like, they're actually kicking the shit out of each other. And to do that, they had to maintain that, fa- that like, persona outside of the ring, too. Yeah. You know? That's- um, after, after he died, his son, uh, Mitsuo, 
uh, Momoda would say that uh, that despite uh, Ricky Dozen owning all the property he did, um, that the inheritance tax, he also had a lot of debt, and the inheritance tax on his estate was upwards of uh, 20 million uh, yen, about $180,000. Yeah, I was going to say, 20 uh, million due, yen sounds like a lot, but, you know. <laughs> due, to, due to him owing uh, millions of yen in unpaid taxes, is also in 1964. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's so a lot that's of mine. Yeah, okay. Um, he was he was constantly in the the tabloids, um, uh, despite being a national hero. In the he US also had a reputation in Japan, in Japan. Okay. and he, he had a reputation of being a troublemaker, uh, especially in his uh, later years. Um, and he also began uh, abusing uh, painkillers in the early sixties, um, and would also take stimulants before and after his matches. Well, yeah, Wait, I mean, what? So do I. I mean. Which is like the common like, <laughs> which is like the common like wrestling thing is to get hooked on like like pills. I like to um, what I like to do is pour like uh, sugar packets into a can of C four and then shotgun it. What I like to do is uh, mix four loco with four hour energy. I call that eight hour energy. Get in. <laughs> huh? Do you have like a car battery nearby? In case you have to like restart your heart. Uh, <laughs> I no, not to restart my heart, but I could jumpstart your car if you need me to. <laughs> oh my god, my caffeine um, and, intake and, definitely has something to do with why I can't take Adderall anymore. For my ADHD. when uh, Rick, Ricky Dozen during his life would appear in uh, twenty nine films, um, often as himself. Um, and U.S. Also, films would, or Japanese films. Japanese films. Okay. Um, and uh, he was also known for being, when he was in a good mood, he'd leave as much as uh, 10,000 yen as a, as a tip, oh, that's a lot. which is about $100. Okay. Um, but if he was in a bad mood, uh, bar fights and violence would, would, be, uh, would, would be common. Also, you don't want to get in a bar fight with a dude named Ricky Dicky Tavi that has been a sumo wrestler his entire life. I feel like this dude would just destroy people. Well... Because they because did, people back yeah. then know that wrestling is wrestling is fake. Um, he would draw a lot of a lot of attention because he's a he's a heavy drinker and he would often be seen drinking with his his opponents that he had been fighting. So while he while there is kayfabe, he's not keeping kayfabe by associating with the people he's wrestling against. But is he the kind of like, person that needs to keep kayfabe? Well, well, normally the rule is at that time. That like they have different locker rooms. They they go on different buses. Heels and faces go on different buses. Stay in different hotels, and they don't they don't associate with each other. Okay, so for him to be, okay. so for him to be drinking with the people he's like fighting against afterwards and socializing with them, sort of uh, draws suspicion on the legitimacy of professional wrestling. Okay. Um, at one point he gets in a um a, he's in a bar with a uh, a Cuban baseball player. Uh, who played for the local uh, Hankyu Braves, uh, Roberto uh, Barbon, um, who started heckling Ricky Dozen uh, by calling professional wrestling fake. Um, and uh, Ricky Dozen becomes like very hostile with him um, and, and threatens violence unless Barbon apologizes, which he does. Okay. But what happens is, is on the evening of December 8th, 1963, um, he had been drinking with friends in Tokyo's New Latin Quarter Club, which was an upscale bar and nightclub in Tokyo. Uh-oh. You, you gave me an exact day and year, and you said that he was drinking. All right, let me, uh, let me so, change this. He doesn't get killed in the ring. He's going to get killed by a mad bartender because he tips him like shit. <laughs> Son of a bitch. I've definitely done that before, by the way. 
by got accident. Killed by a bartender. I mean, like <laughs> she like killed my mood. <laughs> she was like the best bartender ever, ever. So fucking great. Like there's a, a hundreds of people there, and I I would like throw my hand up, and she'd be like, "I got you," and she would just bring me another beer. Right? Hell yeah. She was the shit, and I guess it was her last day bartending, and I was I got so fucking lit, and I totally forgot to tip her. And she just oh. looked at me and was like, what the fuck, dude? Right? And uh, and I left, and my brother was like, what the hell just happened? And I was like, nothing. I paid my bar tab. He's like, did you did you tip? And I'm like, I didn't fucking tip. And we were oh. like, we were already home by that point. Man. I was going to go back up there like the next week and be like, do you know where I can get in touch with her? I just want to throw some money at her. But then I was like, nah, that's fucking weird. Like, let's just leave it where it is. Yep, let, let, let sleeping dogs lie. Dude, I felt so bad. But I was like, I was walking out of the bar. I was like, why was she so mad? Da, ba, da, ba, da. You know, <laughs> drunk as shit. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I feel bad now. I, now I feel still feel bad about it to this day. <laughs> so while, tip your service of bartenders, people. Absolutely. Tip your bartenders. While at, at the least. club. Um, while talking to a woman, he gets in an altercation with a man named uh, Katsushi uh, Murata, who is a member of the uh, Sumiyoshi Ika, a subbranch Ooh. of the Sumiyoshi Kai Yakuza family, oh, Those are which is like one of the big, which is like one of the big Yakuza families. Yeah. Oh, that's not good. Oh uh, man, so this dude's gonna fucking cap him. Is oh man, he's gonna get Ricky. By Ricky Dozen. Uh, Ricky Dozen alleged that Murata had uh, stepped on his shoe. And he demanded that Murata apologize. Uh, Murata refused, um, and they began to argue with each other. And eventually what happens is Murata pulls a knife from his belt, uh, which Ricky Dozen saw and said, I understand. Let's make up. I apologize. Yeah. I mean, if you're there and all of a sudden somebody pulls a knife, your first instinct is, hey, you know what? Maybe I've been a little bit too hasty here. Let me back off a little uh, bit. Murata refused the apology, and Ricky Dozen, in response, punched Murata in the face, uh, knocking him against a wall. Uh, Ricky, Ricky Dozen then mounted Murata and continued to punch him on the ground um, until Murata stabbed Ricky Dozen in the abdomen once. Okay, so my man Murata, yeah. uh, Mitsubishi Murano. So Murano pulls that's a, that's a knife. That's a Nissan Murano, by the way. Sorry, a <laughs> Nissan Murano. So Nissan Murano, <laughs> wow, that sounds racist as fuck. So Nissan Murano pulls a knife and Ricky Dicky Tavi goes after him and punches him in the face and beats his ass while this guy's holding a knife. Where yeah. okay, I need to know where the wheelbarrow where he stores it that that carts his nuts around. Because <laughs> if somebody pulls a knife on me and I don't have a gun to uh, Indiana Jones them, I'm gonna try to de-escalate as fast as humanly possible, not punch them in the fucking face. What? <laughs> um, so Murata flees the scene after this, and Ricky Dozen goes to uh, Seno Hospital. Um, which is is primarily a, a gynecological uh, hospital, um, but he got stabbed but the pussy. He, <laughs> but, but he chooses but he chooses it due to knowing the doctor, um, it, the the doctor who works there and knows that he could be trusted to keep a secret to prevent the story from getting into the tabloids. Ah, okay. Don't make me laugh like that. <laughs> um, the the doctor. Um, you say abdomen. I say uterus. Same thing. Um, he he examines the wound and he says it's non-fatal, um, but advises him to have surgery. Um, so after members of the uh, Tokan Gosai, which is a gang uh, that uh, Ricky Dozen associated with, caught wind of the stabbing incident, um, they find and they uh, they attack Murata, uh, which led to him being hospitalized. Okay, eye for an eye. Uh, Ricky Dozen goes go, has successful surgery. 
um, and returns home, but against the doctor's orders, he resumes drinking alcohol almost as soon as he gets home, which causes his condition to deteriorate once again. Ah, can't do that. You are going to be NPO after your surgery, sir. No alcohol, bland diet for at least seven to ten days. But yes, he, he immediately starts drinking and eating again, despite the doctor telling him not to. Ugh. All right, Ricky Ticky Tabby's an idiot. All right. Um, or an addict. So, so during this time, um, he's visited by both uh, Murata and Murata's boss, uh, Kamusu Kobayashi, um, who, who both apologize to him. Um, and Murata bows his head and accepts responsibility for the incident. Uh, Ricky Dozen forgives both of them. Kobayashi of the hot dog eating fame? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh man uh, yeah I'm an asshole alright anyway uh, due to Ricky Dozen uh, worsening his condition by drinking he, he goes through a second successful surgery one week later um, but he develops uh, parentontitis um, and dies at 9.50pm <laughs> on December 15th 1963 he develops, w- <laughs> he develops what say that again peritonitis there it is. Oh. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I, I love how Steve can go through this and like perfectly with inflection and with correct pronunciation, Japanese names, African names, Japanese gang names, <laughs> Chinese names. I mean, he lived in China, but still can enunciate it and pronounce it perfectly. Then when it comes down to something like peritonitis, he's like, peritonitis? <laughs> <laughs> I love you, buddy. <laughs> Um, he would he would be 39 years old when he died. Oh, oh wow! Womp womp. I'm gonna out, I'm gonna outlive uh, Ricky Dozen. That's a mood. Like his his funeral was held on December 20th, 1963, um, at the Ikegami Honmonji uh, Temple in in Ota, Tokyo. Do you see what I'm saying about his pronunciation? I just, <laughs> I just want to play. <laughs> He's amazing. <laughs> But so this guy gets stabbed by a yakuza, and they they're they're all good. But what really kills him is the drinking. Like if he didn't drink, yeah. he wouldn't have developed peritonitis, and he probably would have lived. Yeah, he he probably would have lived if if he had followed the doctor's orders and stopped drinking. Follow your um, doctor's fucking orders. You get antibiotics, finish the antibiotics. Because honestly, I'm tired of dealing with fucking MRSA and antibiotic resistant staph infections that require things like vancomycin that we can't just kill with penicillin because these assholes will get a 10 days uh, prescription of antibiotics. They'll take seven. They'll be like, oh, I feel better. They'll stop taking them. And then boom, now you have a weakened immune system with bacteria that understands how to fight antibiotics. So the next time you put them on antibiotics, like, oh, it's not doing anything. I don't know why it's doing anything. Well, because you didn't finish your antibiotics for the first time. Or, even better, I wasn't feeling good. I had some leftover antibiotics. I want to fucking scream at these people, bro. Oh, my God. That I want to scream at them. Bad. Um, <sighs> his, <Anyway. laughs> the, at the ceremony, at the funeral ceremony that's held, um, numerous uh, celebrities from the worlds of politics, cinema, and sports attend, um, and as well as uh, fans and members of the public, um, and it's believed that it exceeded uh, 12,000 people. Holy shit. Um, it's said that the row of people stretched uh, over 500 meters from the the temple itself all the way to the uh, Ikegami uh, train station. What? Um, his um, uh, All three of his uh, major students were also there, um, as well as uh, various opponents that he had from throughout his career. Respect. Um. 
Katsushi Murata was eventually found guilty of manslaughter on October in October of 1964, wow. and would serve eight years wait. in prison. They actually what? got his ass. That's crazy. What? Well, I'm, wait. What? I almost don't agree with that. Like, he definitely stabbed him, and Homeboy definitely, you know, had something to do with his death. Yeah. Like, but, he didn't, but he's he's but he's also a mafioso, which is also why uh, okay. like they're right, they're gonna yeah, throw okay. the. Um, so he's released in nineteen seventy-two. Technically, he's in a self-defense situation, which is amoral. Yeah, which is, I mean, that was kind of where I was going with that. Well, I think it was also illegal for him to have a knife. Right, Japan's way harsher about that. You know, even if like, well, you can't even have a knife in Japan. Uh, you're not, you can't carry one, no. But you can yeah, have a fucking like, katana? You cannot carry a katana, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Fucking Christ, yeah, there's, there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of no. dumb Americans who are, like, they're gonna go to Japan, and then they're, like, or they're gonna, like, teach there or whatever, and they're like, what do you mean I can't carry a knife on me? I always have a knife. What if what if I need one? It's like, you're not gonna need one. Steve, let me explain something like, to you. you. You're never gonna be in a scenario where you, you're gonna need a knife. You're wrong. I'm gonna tell you, you're wrong. No American is gonna go to fucking Japan with a goddamn knife. An American is gonna go to Japan and be like, what you mean I can't take this AR-15 Remington platform into my into my classroom to teach these these little Je- Japanese kids English? Oh. This, this, is the, this is the Lord's NATO 556. I don't know what you mean I can't walk around with this. Get it right. <laughs> um, it's like uh, I love Alabama. <laughs> so after after Murata gets out of prison, um, he visits the grave of uh, Ricky Dozen and also uh, the sons of Ricky Dozen and apologizes and apologizes to them every December fifteenth after his release. Wow. Um, Murata eventually becomes a high-ranking member of the Yakuza <laughs> and dies April 9th, twenty thirteen, of natural causes. Damn, that was a long life. But you know what? Respect, though. Every single year, the man goes to his grave and apologizes and all that. Like that just goes to show you, like again, like I hate to start, uh, I hate to like overemphasize it, but like the uh, the shame factor in Japanese society is is alive and well. But I mean, for something like that, like I understand it. Maybe I mean, like, can you picture? Can you picture anyone from our? Can you picture many people anyway from like our culture doing that? Uh, Nah. I I think it would heavily depend on the circumstances, but I could see it happening under the right circumstances. I could see it happening. Nah, not even. No way. Not even one. No No fucking way. No. No. Maybe I just give people too much credit, even though it's funny that I give people this much credit, and I, and I think so little of the general, just John Q. citizen, I think so little of them, but I give them this kind of credit. I think it's interesting. Yeah, the American culture is fucked with that kind of stuff. There's um, no way that happens. Without, without Ricky Dozen uh, running the, the JWA, um, it begins to suffer, um, but his two students, uh, two of his main students, um, Enoki and Baba, they vow that they're going to uh, keep wrestling alive, um, and they continue to run uh, the JWA um, until 1972, when both of them leave. Uh, Baba forms uh, All Japan Pro Wrestling, which still exists today, and Enoki forms New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, which which also still exists today. Okay. Yeah, and JPW is great. Uh, Ricky Dozen's two sons, uh, Yoshihiro Momoda and uh, Mitsuo Momoda, also become professional wrestlers, as well as one of his grandsons, uh, Chikara uh, Momoda. Runs in the family. Um, he became, Ricky Dozen uh, became 
uh, one of the first members of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame. Um, he, in 1996, um, and he was also inducted in the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame and Museum in 2006, um, as well as the Legacy Wing of the WWE Hall of Fame in the 2017 class. Um, in, uh, in 2002, uh, Ricky Dozen was named the third greatest professional wrestler of all time behind Ric Flair and Lothez. Um, by, by, know, I, love, I, I love Ric Flair, by, bro. By, by who? And by, by John uh, Molinaro in that hundred wrestlers of all time. Oh, okay. Uh, which was edited by Dave Meltzer of, um the Wrestling Observer Newsletter and Jeff Merrick, another um, commentator. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave, Dave Melter is like the like authority on professional wrestling. Yeah. He's been around a really long time. But what happens is, is in 1982, um, in North Korea, a book is released called I Am, Kore- I Am a Korean, uh, which which attributes Ricky Dozen's uh, feats as a wrestler to the quote-unquote warm care of the country's founding father, Kim Il-sung, <laughs> and the Korean Workers' Party. Are you, is this up. April Fool's? Like, oh, are you serious? <laughs> no. Um, it, it, the book claims that, uh, that Pyongyang would help Ricky Dozen, quote-unquote, advance straight along the path of patriotism and loyalty with the soul of Korea in spite of the threats and intimidations of the U.S. imperialists and Japanese reactionaries. Oh, my Because wow. remember, God. throughout his career, Ricky Dozen keeps his Korean origin a secret because it would have subjected him to discrimination in Japan. Right. Um, but because, remember, he's originally from North Korea and he still has family in North Korea. Um, so he still has associations with the North Korean state. Um, and the North Koreans claim that he was assassinated by the CIA. Uh, um, oh his, my God. His, his widow obviously says this is this is ridiculous, um, and laughed off the theory, um, um, saying that the um, saying that quote unquote it was because of malpractice, possibly an overdose of anesthetic. Here we go. Um, in 1995. The North Koreans would publish a children's comic book about Ricky Dozen called World Professional Wrestling King, uh, which which portrays him dying immediately after he is given some liquid by a mysterious man in a big hat. Oh, my God. Never trust any of those. Spy versus spy guys. (laughs) Yeah, never trust spy versus spy. (laughs) Never trust any any man in a big hat. Vampire Hunter D. (laughs) Um, So... The the ultimate moral of the story is that um, that that his life should lead people to realize that they will have quote unquote eternal life only after they are collapsed to the bosom of North Korea's two great leaders Kim Il Sung and Kim Jong Il. <sighs> a fifteen guys. cassette video series and a full length novel 15. on Ricky Dozen's life are, are published in two thousand one in North Korea um, and a um, a, a Tokyo. Um, based trader who specializes in Korean publications, uh, Jun uh, Miyagawa says that everybody knows him in North Korea. Fifteen, like one five. That is that's a lot of cassettes, yeah. like audio cassettes, or like a VHS. Uh, 
video video cassettes. oh my god that's a lot dude that's a lot it's 15 hours maybe um R- ricky dozen reportedly had a daughter uh with a, a korean woman an olympian who has uh four children uh before meeting uh uh before meeting uh tanaka uh one of the one of the four children uh pak hyejong uh took part in the asian games in south korea um in in 2021 as the women's weightlifting coach okay um, Tanaka has one daughter by Ricky Dozen. Um, it is now a grandmother, uh, revealed that he secretly visited South Korea in 1963, um, as an envoy to, to sort of like, uh, push, uh, rapprochement between Japan and South Korea. Right. Try to get him to the table. Um, and she, she, she also has photographic proof of this, um, by having pictures of him meeting with South Korean leaders, um, including the then head of the Korean intelligence agency. Wow. Um, he he reportedly visited the uh, Korean truce village of at, at Panmunjom um, on the 38th parallel, where he uh, where he stripped down to his waist and shouted across the border, um, uh, "Hyonim," which means older brother in Korean, um, apparently calling to his uh, family in North Korea. Um, he would also donate a a, a limousine. Uh, to Kim Il Sung in order to gain uh, better treatment for his family that was in Korea. Okay. Uh, uh, Tanaka, his his widow, says, uh, "Quote unquote." I understand that he wanted the Korean Peninsula to become one neutral nation like Switzerland. Um, I want to build a bronze statue of Ricky Dozen on the 38th parallel and stage a, a pro wrestling contest there. She said. Has she never remarried? Uh, she might have. I'm not sure. Ah, okay. Um, so, but what happens is, is that after he dies, um, Anoki, uh, sort of takes up the mantle of, of Ricky Dozen's legacy. Um, so that means not only elevating Ricky Dozen within, uh, Japanese pop culture, but also maintaining connections to North Korea. Um, because what happens is, is Anoki eventually becomes uh, a member of the House of Counselors, uh, which is one of the the houses of the uh, the Japanese uh, Parliament, the Diet. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of his main things is to use sports to cause diplomatic breakthroughs, uh, which he saw North Korea as a prime target of, and he would travel uh, to North Korea over thirty times, um, including a big wrestling event in nineteen ninety five. He started doing this because um, in 1990, Muhammad Ali had brokered um, the release of hostages by Saddam Hussein. Um, Enoki did the same by traveling to Iraq in an unofficial uh, diplomatic status and negotiated with uh, Saddam to release Japanese hostages who were there at the outbreak of the war. Um, he, he would organize a wrestling event in Iraq for the purpose of freeing uh, 41 uh, captive Japanese nationals who were there, and he would ultimately um, get a partial success with 36 of them being released. Holy shit. That's pretty crazy. Um, Anoki would also reveal in, in, in an interview in, in 2012 that he had converted to Shia Islam in 1990 uh, during a pilgrimage to Karbala, which is the, the Shiite holy city in Iraq. This seems good. I'm I'm in on this now. I remember that. I remember when that came out. He would he would describe himself as both a Muslim and a Buddhist. 
Yeah, he's both. Yeah. Um, in, in 1995, he would coordinate a, a pro wrestling event in Pyongyang uh, known as the Collision in Korea, which was a WCW uh, wrestling pay-per-view, which you can find out about in the uh, Dark Side of the Ring episode uh, called uh, Collision in Korea after the event. Oh, no. The colli- Is that like the Rumble in the Jungle? You're damn right. <laughs> well, it, I just yes. love, I just love how they like like they just name everything. It's it's amazing. The rumble in the jungle, the, yeah. the, the thunder from down under, the it's collision a, in Korea. It's a carnival. Yeah. It's always it's been it's always been a carnival. Only thing I know about is that Ric Flair was there. <laughs> because I love Ric Flair. <clears throat> um so this this event though, a, a number of issues happen. Um uh, for instance, uh, they're they're almost all detained uh, during the event because I believe it's Scott Norton says that uh, North Korea sucks to his wife over the phone, and the uh, because they're obviously listening to the phone, they they like they they have him detained and he has to apologize. That's crazy. What year is this? Like um, like arrested. in nineteen ninety five, uh, Rick Rick Flair will go along as well as Eric Bischoff. Uh, Ric Flair, uh, he puts Inoki over. He's sort of the cowardly uh, heel who is defeated by Inoki, um, who, who Inoki essentially likes using um, the image of his his former teacher to, to sort of benefit from a relationship with North Korea. Fucking Eric Bischoff, bro. God, that's a name I haven't heard in a long time. He was such a piece of shit, the WCW. Um, uh, fa- famously, or, or notoriously, uh, the, the Japanese wrestler uh, Akira Hokoto, um, she meets her husband, uh, uh, Kensuke uh, uh, Sasaki, who, who are still together, um, but, but they hooked up on the trip, um, and they, they reportedly had sex so loud in the in the like the hotel that all the foreigners have to stay in in North Korea that the police get called. Jesus Christ. I mean, if you're not getting that loud, I mean, are you actually banging, you know? <laughs> That's why Bob Modell leaves the light on for you right yeah, there. Yeah, we'll leave the light on for you. <laughs> in a court hotel. Um but but while the pay-per-view itself is is generally considered to be a failure, um it doesn't get um it it doesn't bring in like good money. Um, not a lot of people buy into it. While it is like one of the biggest wrestling events of all time, it's one of the biggest wrestling events in terms of uh, f- like fans in the as in terms of audience because the people there had no choice but to be there. Yeah, but you're going to watch this wrestling show, or yeah, else. Sort of like that uh, Russian uh, like get together there they had for the uh, attack on Ukraine. Yeah, you better show up. Um, cause, cause reportedly their, their driver told them, I forget who it was, who they, they commented on. It's like, wow. It's like all these people are going to the show and the driver's like, well, they have to, or they, they get executed. Jesus Christ. Um, but, but what this does do is that it, it sort of increases this, um, sort of interest in Ricky Dozen as a, um, a North Korean propaganda piece. So he's largely become um, a propaganda piece now, and is. And then they 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 refer to him in North Korea as uh, Ryok Dosan, which is like the uh, the Korean pronunciation um, version of his name. Yeah. Um, and uh, the North Korean government has put his face on stamps, um, and they've also commissioned more um more sort of uh, biographies and prose about him. Oh shit! Um, and generally, um. 
the the core theme of a lot of the propaganda is obviously you know that Ricky Dozen, a Korean man, uh, is a champion in Japan by defeating both the Japanese and the Americans, um, and then he is eventually killed by the by you know these these reactionary and evil forces uh, for the Yakuza to defeat them. <laughs> the Yakuza. <laughs> Reactionary no, Yakuza. The CIA. Oh, this. Oh, Murata. Oh, yeah, the CIA okay. Murata. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I just um, got Yakuza Six. Like they're not reactionary. Come on. Anoki <laughs> would eventually um, would, would be suspended from the diet for thirty days after a November uh, twenty thirteen uh, visit to North Korea that had not been authorized by the the Japanese government. Um, so eventually, sort of towards the end of his political career. Um, his trips to uh, North Korea get him in trouble. Yeah, and and this is this is largely done as being like you know he's Ricky Dozen's like disciple. Well, Japan doesn't. Does Japan have formal relations with North Korea? Well, they they do, but the reason why um, that they that the the Japan is upset about it as well because they're trying to negotiate the return of um, these Japanese citizens who had been kidnapped by the North Koreans in the 70s. Um, because what had happened was is that the North Koreans had literally just kidnapped random Japanese people and, and like snuck them into North Korea to teach North Korean spies how to pass as Japanese. Bro, what? Wow. That that they would that they they just sort of like like one of them was a nurse like she was just like walking along the beach or the the ocean front and they literally just like like grabbed her like knocked her out and then took her on a took her on a boat to North Korea. That's nuts. Wow. And, and all for the purposes of them to essentially like teach Japanese like language and culture classes to North Koreans to be spies. Huh. That's, ins- that's that's like almost unbelievable. Um but but Anoki would would claim, you know, that that he's the best person to deal with this due to his connections with um Ricky Dosen. Although um Anoki's not looking too well these days, he might possibly uh die soon. Been around a long he's, time, he's, and he's a wrestler. He's currently yeah, he's, he's pushing he's it. Shit. He's he's currently seventy nine for a wrestler um, too. Yeah, that's old as shit. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Giant Giant Baba died in uh, nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. And Giant Baba was six foot ten, um, so he was actually pretty pretty big. Yeah. Oh, he was to his namesake is giant. <laughs> six foot one. <laughs> <laughs> he's not Adam Cole. Yeah, he's billed as six foot one, but he's billed as six ten. Bro, I'm watching the this final guy's four, huge, and uh, these kids that are playing for like Duke, these and, fucking uh, kids, like, NC State and Kansas. Listen, they're like six foot ten, seven feet tall. And I'm uh, like, what? Basketball is nineteen years old. Basketball is a genetic sport, man. It's oh nuts. Holy yeah. shit! I mean, you could make it in the league at, at like small point guards and stuff, but you still got to be at least six feet. Like most of these guys are, you know, you can't be a you can't be an average dude, which is five ten. Yeah. Unless you're like phenomenally talented, you gotta be. You gotta be you really good. Yeah. Yeah. You have to be, you be really Muggsy good. Bogues. Bogues was okay. Jordan ruined Muggsy Bogues' career. <laughs> hey, r- do you remember the unit of measurement that we had? Oh yeah, that's right. Back in the beginning, how many, how many Muggsy Bogues? Yeah. 
Yeah. How many Bogues is Bogues is. Bogues is. How many Muggsy Bogues long was that? <laughs> All right. Well, before this episode gets too many Bogues long, I think we should end it. Yep. And that's the tale of Ricky Dozen. Uh, that's Ricky right. Ricky Ticky Tavi himself. R I C K Y space Dozen. <laughs> um, I'm not going to lie. I definitely Googled it like that. Me too. <laughs> I was like, because the way Steve was saying it, he wasn't saying like Rikidazin or something. He was just Ricky yeah. Dozen, and I'm like, who the fuck is Dozen. Ricky Dozen? <laughs> Who's Ricky? Do-, Rick- do you mean Ricky Dozens, like a mobster named Ricky? Do- That's Ricky Dozens over there. <laughs> you ask for one thing, he brings Danzig? you twelve. Ricky Dozens. Rick- Ricky Danzig? Like what? <laughs> Ricky Danzig. All right. Mother. <laughs> and with that, we're out. Oh, shit. Later. Bye.